Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. John Hoover, All Sooners on Fan Nation, SI.com. AllSooners.com joins us on 365 Sports with Paul and Craig. I'm David. And uh, John covers Oklahoma, covers Oklahoma, the state as well. And thanks for your time. What is the confidence level after last year's 49-0 and what Oklahoma appears to have done so far this year? John, thanks for your time today. Hey, guys. Um, apologies for the uh, sounding like I'm under the weather because I'm <clears throat> struggling with uh, what's lingering as a summer cold. So we'll, we'll, we'll get through this together. Uh, it's interesting. It's the number one topic of the Oklahoma Sooners uh, beat is their confidence level. How much of a paper tiger have they been when it comes to, to facing one of the one of the easiest schedules in, in all of college football? Now they're five and two and in the Big Twelve, and they lead the nation in scoring margin. They're one of the top three teams in the country in scoring, and they're one of the top three teams, three or four teams in the country in scoring defense. They're kicking some butt, but they've not. Let's be honest, they've not faced any anybody like Texas, and that's what this is. It's guys, it's like a one game season. It's literally for Oklahoma, not necessarily for Texas because they played Alabama, but for Oklahoma, it's, it's one of their worst, one of their least attractive schedules they've ever played because Castiglione has always been, uh, and and worked closely with Bob Stoops has always been one of those guys who um, wants a, a premier opponent in here or on the road every year, and because the Georgia game got bumped by the joining of the SEC, they were able to just cobble together a game against SMU and that was their best opponent SMU and so there's a lot of trepidation on the fan base's part knowing that Texas ranked number three in the country is is by far the best team they face so I would say John that the biggest difference between Texas and Oklahoma right now is you know probably that Texas has more depth where Oklahoma has some guys that have a lot of talent and potential. Texas has more established depth. How do they keep that depth from being a factor on Saturday? That's interesting you would say that. I would have said the other way around. Oh, okay. And I'm probably wrong because what I'm gauging my my depth, my, my assessment of the depth is uh, from is last year's team where they had no depth. So Oklahoma has really, really established uh, good competitive depth. That's their that's their buzzword, but dating all the way back to spring football, guys. 
competitive depth. We have competitive depth. What that means is you got a bunch of guys playing the same position, and that has borne out at receiver, at safety, not necessarily on the offensive line, but at running back, at a lot of different positions. So Oklahoma's depth is so much better that I'm probably being fooled to think it's better than what Texas has, but frankly, you're probably right. Texas has better depth. How does Oklahoma deal with that? I think they've uh, I think they've gotten the, okay. So they lost their starting safety Reggie Pearson, transfer from Texas Tech, and they lost their starting cheetah linebacker Justin Harrington, uh, senior, fifth year senior, junior college guy. And they go to Cincinnati, and they almost shut out Cincinnati because they rotated guys in who hadn't necessarily played that those positions before, and those guys played great. That's what they've been. That's what Venables is known for: is building so much depth that guys, when they get hurt or they have to miss a game for one reason or another, have to step out for a play or two or a series. They put the next guy in, and the next guy is just as good. So uh, again, historically at Oklahoma and at Clemson as defensive coordinator, Venables had that reputation. He's just now starting to get those guys as a head coach. When it comes to the uh, the skill guys, I mean, Texas has seemed like an all-star cast. There's not a lot of holes yeah. there. I know for Oklahoma, there's been a bit more turnover. And there's still like your your Drake Stoopses and your Jaleel Farouks and, and guys like that. But both at running back, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of like fresh you know, guys and, and new names that are trying to establish themselves. Um, what have been your thoughts on just how the skill positions have sort of panned out and who has emerged uh, in those groups? Uh, that's the, the big thing to me is what the wide receiver group has done, led by the man himself, Bob Stoops' son, Drake Stoops, mm-hmm. right? Six, six-year senior, um, possession receiver, inside slot receiver, guy that's just a leader, knows is like a coach, literally like a coach on the field. That's not overstating it. Uh, he's back, right? He's got 80 career catches. Jaleel Farouk, I think, had 37 catches last year. He's back. He's a guy that came into that Texas game last year and ran some Wildcat quarterback and took some jet sweeps. And they, they tried to do what they could, but they just didn't have a quarterback for that game. They couldn't figure out what to do. So those two guys are back. Everybody else, every other receiver that they have, nobody, not one guy had more than three catches in his career. And that was from a walk-on. Okay, so – the receiver core, all we asked about all preseason long, all early in the season, all off season, hey, who's going to step up and play receiver? Who's going to lead this team in catches? Who's going to be your guy? Who's going to be your top, you know, three, four, your two deep, your top six? A month into the season, guys, we're looking at this thing going, holy crap, who's going to lead this team in receiving? There's so many of them. There's five, there's six, there's seven guys. Every week, somebody new steps up. Last week, you saw Brandon Thompson, the transfer from Texas, come out and catch a 54-yard pass. Um, just in terms of sheer numbers, here, this is interesting. In yards, catches, and touchdowns, they are led by three different guys. Mm. So that tells you right there, they're really, Dylan Gabriel is really, really comfortable and really confident spreading the football. How much uh, from 49 to nothing obviously wrecked last year because it was so one-sided? You discuss, discuss kind of the scenario. How much in certain rivalries the head coach has to beat the biggest rival? I know it's only year two for Venables, but how important would that be? Uh, it would be enormous, absolutely enormous. Um, if they go out and they lose 38-35 on a, on a walk-off field goal or something like that, I think, the, I think the fans, I think the boosters, the big money donors, so to speak, are going to walk away from this thing saying, okay, that's a lot better. We're making progress. Now, next year, you got to win, 
right? That's one of those things where this year you better show some progress. You better show a pulse. Next year you better win. That kind of says it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. John, uh, If but if it's a blowout again, does it, like, does it do you any good to change coaches you're going to the SEC? Yeah. No, no. Uh, Venables is their guy. They're mm-hmm. not going to change coaches. Uh, as long as Castiglione is the guy that's doing the hiring, um, he – frankly, he has 100% changed the culture. This defense is so much better than anything Mike Stoops rolled out there the last few years he was here or, uh, you know, that happy year that Ruffin McNeil filled in for him or anything that Alex Grinch put out on the field. This defense is so much better, so much more depth, so much more athletic, so many more big 300-pound guys. And then you take those guys and put them in the SEC, that's going to be your only chance to compete is to have that defense that you can count on year in and year out. I think that's what Venable's real ask is, is building that, that defense that you can actually hang hang something on. And then, hey, if you get a, a number one quarterback or you get a first-round draft pick transfer or something like that, then you can get an offense that can help you win a championship or at least chase a championship. But that defense is, is – defense travels, guys. You know that. And so that defense has got to be something they hang their hat on. And Venable's – uh, has built the culture already, has already changed the culture. You look at the number five, recru- number four recruiting class in the country last year, number seven so far this year. He's doing it with defense. So that's what Joe Casiglione wanted is for somebody to come in here and finally say, okay, we can play some defense again at Oklahoma. John, any thoughts or has there been really anything to, you know, this being the last Big 12 send-off? I mean, I know there was the the talk about yeah. Sankey will be there and, you know, obviously your mark will not and all that, but yeah. uh, anything surrounding that that's part of the storyline of this being the final Big 12 hurrah for Red River? No, not really. Um, Venables talked a long time ago back in the spring about, um, you know, we're, we're exiting spring and now we want to – uh, turn our attention toward you know winning a conference championship or something like that is the way he phrased it. And he talked about winning. Oh, it was, a, it was that Big 12 media day where he came back strong and said winning the final, winning our final Big 12 championship. He wants to go in and say we won the last time we were in the Big 12. So um, I think the winner is the clear favorite. I think I think Texas right now is the clear favorite, but the winner of this game, as we all know, isn't necessarily the one that's favored. So. Uh, it's interesting that the last four times Texas has been favored, they've won this game. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just, I don't know, that whole your mark versus Sankey thing right now, a couple, couple of guys that are uh, having a uh, contest, shall we say? <laughs> and uh, and right now Sankey's coming out uh, looking better, I think. Because what? nothing against the butt bowl, nothing against Baylor-Texas Tech, right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's a good game. That's always fun. But if you've got two top 12 teams in your city where you don't have to travel, why would you not go to that game if, if it's anything other than just being petty? Well, it, it, yeah, there's some of that. And I, I I tell you what, they're still a part of the Big 12, no matter if they're like their entire right. body's out the door. It is still <laughs> a chance for the Big 12 to have something special, depending on which one of these teams continues if they do to keep winning. If one of them wins a national title, that's technically a, you know a boon for the Big 12. Yeah, so yeah. I mean they are t- they're part of the conference till they're not, and right now they very much are. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird deal and, and kind of kind of petty, yep. like you said. But John, yeah. do you have a favorite Big? Uh, I'm not sure how many of these games you've covered. We've all ca- covered a handful and been to them. Is there <laughs> one in particular you remember the most? I'm so glad you asked me, Smokey. Um, Yes, uh, and this has nothing to do with the game or the or the <laughs> or the situation. 
this is my 20th consecutive Red River rivalry. Mm. I mean, first, first of all, if, if you're in my shoes and you grew up where I grew up and, and had the situations going on in my, that you had in my life, you look at that and you say, how the hell did somebody come out of that and get to cover 20 Red River rivalry college football games? It's incredible. So very blessed to be around this situation for as long as I have and have the people around me who have gotten to, you know, put me in this in this position. Very happy and very lucky to be where I am. My favorite story is 2004. That was the game where it was, I, I want to say it was like 59 degrees drizzling the entire day, the entire day from, from the time we woke up till the time we left the fair, it was drizzling. Um, Vince Young was the Texas quarterback. Adrian Peterson was the Texas running, I'm sorry, the Oklahoma running back, right? 44 fling uh, was a 45-yard run down the right sideline. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers the game, 12 nothing shutout. What I remember is hand-delivering two Fletcher's corny dogs to my nephew who had been out there since 5 a.m., didn't get a chance to eat breakfast. He was in the Pride. The, he was playing trumpet in the Pride of Oklahoma, the band. And I said, have you, uh, you know, what was your day like? He said, I'm starving. I said, let me go get you some corn dogs. I went and got him some corn dogs down there on the field in the end zone. Two for me, two for him. We shared a corn dog and then watched uh, Oklahoma win the game 12 nothing. Good for you, man. That's awesome. You were going to yeah. say something? Yeah, I was going to ask, do you have a, like a state fair process that you do to make sure that you you, you, you hit all the, the check marks before you leave? We usually get in about 8 a.m. We'll have a corn dog in each end by 8.30. Uh, and then it's, uh, it's 10 hours in the press box. And uh, when we leave, you know, we walk down the midway and we get the sweetest, most disgusting fair food that you've ever seen. Whatever it is, whether it's fried Oreos, uh, deep fried cheesecake. Stop. Um, I'm, I'm all about it, man. Fried Oreo. Yeah. I've heard of that. I, yeah. No, I, I, John, I, I did a, uh, we did a game when Baylor and Texas Tech played there one year. It was like they were trying to do a game each week at the fair. And so I was doing the pregame show, and I, I, they said, hey, do you want to try some of the fried food? So they took me over this area, and I had like a bite of a deep-fried <laughs> Twinkie, a deep-fried Oreo, deep-fried Dr. Pepper, something else that was really like deep-fried bacon, which is kind of like a bridge too far uh, yeah. in and of itself. And I remember <laughs> thinking like, oh, this food tastes really good. This is wild. But then 10 minutes later, I, I wanted to die. Like, I was like, dude, yeah. is there a cardiologist here? I need to see someone. <laughs> this is, this is not what you should do with your life. Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. a place to go get that kind of stuff. And it's fun. It's a great atmosphere. Thank you very much, John. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the next one. Uh, this Saturday, John Hoover, SISooners.com. Appreciate the time on Oklahoma and the perspective and gave us a couple of things from their side of point of view. And, and that's why we have them on. We appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, an exhilarating, you know, start to that game just with the crowds and both of them into it. And and then, you know, the bizarre, crazy nature of that game and what the tale will be this time around. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, once the, once the ball kicks off, but uh, it's not necessarily always what you expect red river. That's for sure. And so, uh, you know, last year was obviously just ugly, um, and it's certainly going to be more competitive this time around, which will be nice for those of us just wanting to watch a good game. But yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be gonna be great, and I still uh, have no hesitance in picking Texas, but would love to be wrong, as as you all know. Um, but yeah, I think that the Oklahoma schedule thing is definitely a big part of um, you know if they can get through this game 
and with the start that they had, I mean, that was that was one of those like, how how could this year go? Well, look at that schedule. Like you beat Texas and just a couple of those other games that are kind of tight, and you could be sitting really really pretty. Um, and so this is a, it's a big this is easily the biggest game on their schedule. Whereas with Texas, you could say, well, it was Alabama, and you get through them, and now it's definitely Oklahoma. Uh, but yeah, there, there's going to be some great fallout from this one. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.